Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Blackhawk Church. And uh, those of you who are part of our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, Dijon Zimei Ping An. Yeah, I have some fantastic uh, news. And uh, the great thing about it is every time, about this time of year, every year, uh, one of my uh, jobs as a senior pastor is to convey uh, this uh, good news. And I'm still the senior pastor, at least for another 164 days, if anybody's actually counting. So uh, next year at this time, Pastor Matt Metzger will uh, have the privilege of doing this. So this is one of the fun parts of my job, just to talk about uh, the generosity at Blackhawk Church. So what I want to do is talk about uh, the kind of the final numbers of the Advent Conspiracy uh, initiative. For those of you who don't know what Advent Conspiracy is, um, our church, together with hundreds of thousands of other churches around this country and around the globe, actually are joining in a public conspiracy to kind of take back uh, Christmas uh, from what uh, it's become, this consumeristic uh, kind of thing, uh, to really what God want, would want Christmas to actually be about, and that is like generosity, because Advent should remind us that God gave, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So uh, we try to make Advent Conspiracy an opportunity for you to give, and then every penny that we collect in the Advent Conspiracy offering goes outside the walls of Blackhawk Church to a number of organizations that we partner with. So I get to show you what that number is. So drum roll, please, everybody, drum roll. Here is the number right here, boom. 529,333 from a total of 824 households. Somebody say amen. Yes, amen. Praise God. This is huge, you guys. We've been doing Advent Conspiracy for like 12 years, and we've never gone, never gone over half a million dollars. And there's a global pandemic going on. Did anybody know that? And yet, bam, you guys really came through. This is the highest number like we've ever had. To compare it to... The year before, this year, 529, uh, 333, 824. Last year, 333, 549 from 662 households. You guys, I'm just telling you, in every way you look at that number, it's huge. And then we did it during a pandemic. I tell you, man, that just shows the generosity. You guys are just went out of your way to be generous. Every penny of that money goes outside the walls to the Blackhawk Church. This year, it's going to go to these different organizations, Domestic Abuse Intervention Services, Days, Justine, Lighthouse Church, Maidem, Mount Zion Baptist Church, Nehemiah Center for Urban Leadership Development, Second Harvest Food Bank of Southern Wisconsin, and Water Mission. So you guys have made a huge difference. Whether uh, that money is going to be used to uh, help some student in Madison uh, get a laptop for the very first time because they don't have one and they need one in COVID, or if it's going to go to clean water in a hospital in Tanzania, you guys have made a difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now some of you are thinking, well, that's fantastic, Pastor Chris, but like as a church, like how are we doing in terms of like the general fund uh, giving. So part of my job as a senior pastor is to kind of let you know how we're doing uh, that way. We are down a, a bit. So through the end of the year, general fund is behind budget by 236728 
We have a budget of about $8.3 million, so we're uh, down. But the good news is this. This year, <laughs> like we haven't met in person since March, you guys. This year, we have 308 new giving households. Listen, listen. People are watching online and are giving to Blackhawk Church for the first time, and many of these people have never even been in one of our buildings. Some of these people don't even live around here. You guys, unbelievable. Praise uh, God. So those of you who are watching, who just started to give, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you who are watching for a long time and you're going, you know what, I need to be a part of that team. You're welcome to be a part of our team. And uh, we want you to help us do the kinds of things in our community that we think God wants us to do by building a loving community that follows Christ in order to reach a community that's lost without him. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for people being generous, especially at this time when we're going through a global pandemic. Just thank you, Father, for the huge heart that many people at Blackout Church have as they just release resources that you have given to them for the betterment of other people for common good so that people can flourish in the world. We thank you so much, Father, for the opportunity that we have to give. And we pray, Father, you would help us to be joyful givers. We pray this in Christ's name and for the sake of his reputation. All God's people said, amen. Well, we're continuing uh, in our series. And I said that too quickly. Don't you just love this live kind of stuff? Here we go. We are continuing in our series, and this series is called Breakthrough. And the whole idea with this series is this. We are living in really discouraging days. It's really tough, you guys. And we need a breakthrough. A couple weeks ago, I did a message on lament and how we can just pour out our hearts to God. Last week, Pastor Michael Napstad did a message on facing our giants, and today's message is about encouraging our people. We know that these days are so super deflating and so discouraging. The Center for Disease Control tells us that substance abuse is up. Suicidal ideation is up. Anxiety disorders is up. Depressive disorders is up. I mean, everybody wants a hug. People want to not be cloistered in their bubble. And yet, COVID-19 is everywhere, and we are just so discouraged by it. According to Wisconsin State Journal, just this morning's paper, uh, our state hit a record high number of deaths on a single uh, day just this past uh, week. We are so discouraged from being kind of trapped by this pandemic. And then on top of that, um, there are economic factors which are discouraging. So many of us uh, have lost our jobs. Our, our lives have just been rearranged. Many of us are having to school our kids in our homes because they can't do in-person uh, schooling. On top of that, then we have political dis 
turmoil that's everywhere. It's like, oh my gosh. We, all I'm trying to say is this. Anxiety is just weighing down on our hearts. If I could draw it, I'd draw it, uh, something uh, like this. Draw, I'm going to try to draw a heart here. And I'm not, that's my heart right there. And anxiety is just weighing down. It's just pushing down. It's weighing down on our hearts. So the question is this. Is there anything that we can do to have a breakthrough from this? Is there anything that we can do that would cause that anxiety to lessen up a little bit? So if I was going to draw it like, i draw like, uh, let's say this is like, this is supposed to be like, that's like a teeter-totter, you guys. Doesn't look very good. but it's... So the question is this. What can we put on this side of the teeter-totter that will outweigh anxiety, that will cause anxiety to like go away? Is there anything, anything that we can do to counterbalance anxiety according to the Bible? Well, actually, there is. And it's found in Proverbs 12, 25. Take your Bibles or your devices or whatever you're using and turn to Proverbs 12, 25. I'll erase this. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Now, some of us are watching with people, some of us are by ourselves, and you're watching in different kinds of contexts, and you have a device, and maybe no one's around you. But just say this verse out loud with me. Reading together, Proverbs 12, 25. Here we go. Ready? Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Did you read that out loud? Do it again. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. One of the goals I have for today's message is real simple. I'm trying to get you to memorize this verse before the message is uh, over. Because this verse is all about how a kind word from us can cause a breakthrough in either our lives or the lives of someone else. <laughs> some of you are, some of you are, honestly, you're going, that's all? I mean, Pastor Chris, really. I mean, you know, that whole buildup about being anxiety weighting us down, and that's all you got is a kind word? Really? Pastor Chris, you're like so out of touch. I mean, I'm super depressed. Things are super bad. You have no, you're like just out of touch, Pastor Chris. A kind word, that's all. Give me something more. Hey, totally, I, get, I totally get it. I get that feeling. It's like, really? Isn't there more? Those of us who think those thoughts betray the fact that we don't have an accurate understanding of what the Bible actually says about words. Words, you guys, are very, very powerful. The Bible says that God created everything, all the universes, all the stars, Everything he created by the power of his word. The Bible says that when Jesus became flesh, 
The word of God became flesh. We believe that this is the word of God. You guys, words, biblically speaking, the biblical authors, they will tell us that words are very, very powerful. And some of us don't believe the Bible, but we believe uh, other Proverbs. Here's a, here's a common proverb that's not found in the Bible. It goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie out of the pit of hell, you guys. That is a lie. That is, a, that is the most anti-biblical statement. Sticks and stones may break, but words will never hurt. Words can hurt. Words can bring healing or they can bring harm. You guys with tongue in cheek, we are locked and loaded. We can kill people with our words or we can give them healing. You guys, the right words at the right time spoken in the right way can bring a breakthrough for other people and also a breakthrough for our own uh, lives. Words are very, very powerful. There's a verse in the Bible that says that, and that verse is found in Proverbs 12, 25, and it says this. We're working on the memory now. Here we go. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Let's do it again, okay? Anxiety weighs down the heart. A kind word cheers it up. Take it off the screen. Here we go. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but uh, put it back up. Put it back up. Look at it. Anxiety weighs down the heart. It's about the heart, you guys. But a kind word cheers it, the heart, up. Look at it again. Take it down. Here we go. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Words, you guys, are very, very powerful. Here's a, a proverb to that effect. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's another one. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Here's another one. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Somebody who uh, lived out the power of that proverb was uh, Abraham Lincoln. In her Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Leadership in Turbulent Times, Doris Kearns Goodwin, great book. She looks at the uh, turbulent times of four different American uh, presidents, Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Lyndon uh, B. Johnson. And she tells stories about each one. It's really great book, especially for uh, these days. She tells a story about Lincoln. Lincoln uh, was in this habit of writing what he called hot letters. And, uh, you know, he was in turbulent times, like, duh. And so when he would really get mad uh, at someone, he would sit down and write them a hot letter, like a hot letter, and just spew out, like, all his venom on this piece of paper, just, like, let him have it, that kind of a thing. Uh, but the thing is, he never sent them. He never sent them. He just wrote it out. Uh, 50 years after he died, when historians are allowed to kind of get into, uh, like, his papers, 
historians found a whole raft of these hot letters. And uh, what they said at the bottom of every one of these hot letters was this, in Lincoln's signature, never signed, never sent. He had this practice with his own cabinet. Uh, one of the people in his cabinet, and most of his cabinet were rivals uh, to him at one time. One was Secretary of War named Edwin Stanton. And uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin tells a story about uh, an interaction that Lincoln had uh, with Stanton over these hot letters. It goes like this. Lincoln listened as Stanton worked himself into a fury against one of the generals. I would like to tell him what I think of him, Stanton stormed. Why don't you, suggested Lincoln. Write it all down. When Stanton finished the letter, he returned and read it to the president. Capital, Lincoln said. Now, Stanton, what are you going to do about it? Why, send it, of course. I wouldn't, said the president. Throw it in the waste paper basket. But it took me two days to write. Yes, yes. And it did you ever so much good. You feel better now. That is all that is necessary. Just throw it in the basket. And after some additional crumbling, Stanton did just that. Lincoln knew the truth of that proverb. Proverb goes like this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Wisdom literature, there's a contrast between the fool and the wise person, the reckless person, the person who's wise. Someone once said, the email draft box should be your best friend. <laughs> yeah, write it all down. Put it in that draft box and don't send it. Have something to eat. Go to the gym. Do some exercise. Look at it the next day after a good sleep. Maybe work on it some more. <laughs> and then sleep, exercise, maybe talk to somebody else. Look at it again. Email draft box should be our very best friends because words, you guys, are extremely powerful. They can, they can be like a sword or club, and they can hurt people. Or, what did the Proverbs say? The tongue of the wise brings healing. Sometimes the healing comes uh, in, a, in a rebuke from a friend. Here's some Proverbs about rebukes. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. I, uh, I received some healing words from uh, someone who was a friend of mine and it changed the course of my life. It's a story I've told many uh, times, and so you may have heard it before, and so if you get bored, just go up and get yourself a cup of coffee, but um, my entire life was changed because I was rebuked by a friend. I have a lot of friends in the ministry, and many of my friends say that they were called by God into the pastoral ministry, 
That didn't happen to me. <laughs> I was rebuked by a professor. That's how I got into the pastoral ministry. The year was 1984, and I had just finished uh, my uh, Master's of Theology at Dallas Theological uh, Seminary, and uh, we were, I, I got accepted into the PhD program because I always wanted to be a professor. I never, who would want to be a pastor? I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to be a professor. So I got into the PhD program, and I was going to work on my PhD. At that time, we had two small children, 14 months apart, both in diapers. And um, our uh, second child, uh, Missy, who is alive and well, and she's doing fine, uh, she was born with collapsed lungs. And so we couldn't do any kind of childcare or anything like that. We had to be trained on how to take care of her. She had special needs. So uh, my wife is an accountant, and she was working for Southwestern Bell at the time and had a fantastic job. And then I was in the doctoral uh, program, and so we had to swap out childcare. So uh, in the morning, I would go to school, and I would uh, do my PhD work, and then in the afternoon, I would come home, and then we'd kind of swap, and then Sunshine would go to work at downtown Dallas in Southwestern Bell, and she had a group of about 12, 15 people reported to her, and uh, she was just doing fantastic in her career. And I was doing well uh, in my career of, of working on a PhD, and I loved studying. Man, I could just study all day long. I just loved it. And the money was coming in. We had friends that were hurting with educational debt. We paid for everything with cash. I mean, it was, things were great. But our marriage was falling apart because we never saw each other. So I went to see the chairman of the doctoral program, uh, Dr. Harold Honer. He had a PhD from Cambridge. He was kind of a model scholar. So I thought I would sit down and tell him kind of what was going on at home, and he would give me some wise words to fix my wife. <laughs> So I sat down and I complained to him about what was going on at home. We just never saw each other. We weren't getting along. After I did that, he, he leaned across his desk and he said, you know, Chris, you're not married to the seminary. You're married to your wife. I don't have one verse in the Bible that tells you what kind of student you should be at Dallas Theological Seminary, but I got a lot of verses in the Bible tell me what kind of husband you should be. Bam! It didn't come like a kiss on the lips. It came like a punch in the mouth. But I, I knew he was speaking truth. And I went home to Sunshine, and I said to her, on a little uh, porch swing on our little porch, I said, honey, I'm going to quit school. And my wife says to me, if my wife was here, she'd, she'd say, he never said I love you as much as when he said I'm quitting school. And that happened because of a word. I never wanted to be a pastor, but because of that word, uh, I just look, and we looked at each other. And went, we go, what are we going to do? I, go, I don't. I don't know what we're going to do. I guess I could. I guess I could do that pastor thing. So the first church uh, that I pastored was in Shreveport, Louisiana, two hours away from Dallas Seminary, and I thought I would be able to finish my PhD program by commuting back and forth. I didn't. It was not. It's another story. But my life was completely changed because I got that word. From Dr. Honer. Words are powerful. 
Let's work on our verse again. Pull it out. Proverbs 12, 25 goes like this. Say it with me. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Take it down. Let's say it together. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Sometimes the timing of words can make all the difference in the world. Here are some proverbs about that. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. My wife's mother died when my wife was 13 years old of cirrhosis of the liver. My wife's mother was an alcoholic. When she died, uh, she left uh, behind a, a bunch of kids and a husband grieving. My wife, at that time, was the only girl in the home. She had two sisters, but they were outside the home. So it was my wife and her older twin brothers, a younger brother, and then her father. Shortly after the funeral, a woman came up to my wife and said, well, I guess you're going to have to learn how to cook now, aren't you? <laughs> it's a true word. She did need to learn how to cook, but bad timing. It was like someone taking a coat away from you on a winter day or pouring vinegar on a wound. The right words at the right time in the right way can make a huge difference in someone's life. Timing can be everything. Many of us know people who are going through a very difficult time in their life. So a word to them, a card to them, a note, a text can mean a lot. Especially if you know someone who has lost a member of their family. Maybe they've lost a grandmother or a grandparent or a spouse or son or daughter. Whenever you lose someone, firsts are huge. First. So let's say that I lost my wife. Well, then the first anniversary without her is huge. The first Christmas, the first Thanksgiving, her first birthday. You guys know what I'm saying? A timely word can often be like, if you know someone has lost someone, if you know their first anniversary, their first birthday without their spouse, send them a note on that, day, on that day. That can mean more to them than a card after the funeral. Way more. Because timing can be, can be everything. Let's work on our verse again. Proverbs 12, 25. Here it is. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Take it down. Here we go. Say it with me. Anxiety weighs down. Did you get it? Let's put it up again. Try it again. Anxiety weighs down the heart. Kind word cheers. Let's okay. Take it down. Here we go. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Words are powerful, not just as we give them for other people, but they can be powerful in our own lives too. They, they like can bring a harvest for our own heart. Look at uh, this proverb. From the fruit of their mouth, 
a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. So what we say not only can affect us, others, but it can also affect us. It, that's what that proverb is saying. So we can make a breakthrough happen in other people's lives, but it can also be a breakthrough in our own lives. Classic example of this is what happened uh, actually when one of you uh, came to uh, my house one day and gave me a suggestion. Pre-COVID world, uh, uh, we uh, had this thing called Meet uh, the Dolsons. The uh, pastors of all the sites would have, like at my house, we'd have Meet the Dolson. The downtown house would be Meet the Metzgers. At the Fitchburg house would be Meet uh, the Owens. And we invite people to come over to our house, just like Q&A times, stuff like that. Over the years, my wife and I have had hundreds and hundreds of people uh, at our home. And what we would do in those moments is that we would give people an opportunity to kind of walk around our home and like have snacks and stuff, get to know each other. Uh, but then we would turn the evening around and we'd ask people, you got any questions for us? Just Q&A. My wife and I would sit on a little stool and we would just say, fire away. People asked uh, questions. And uh, people thought that was kind of ingenious, but it really wasn't. Everybody always asked the same questions. You know, nobody, we, we, hardly, we really got an original question. Everybody asked about the same five or six. How did you guys meet? How did you guys, when did you come to Madison? How long have you been here? And then sometimes the question was, how did you get into pastoral ministry? Well, when someone asked the question, how did you get into pastoral ministry? I'd tell them that story about Dr. Honer leaning across his death and saying, you're not married to the seminary, you're married to your wife. Tell that story. So I told that story one day. Meet the Dolsons was over. People get their coats and they start to walk out of our house. And, and one of you said to me, Pastor Chris, have, have you ever told that story to Dr. Honer? I thought, oh, no, no. I've lost, touch, I've lost touch with Dr. Honer. She said, I bet it would really encourage him. Whoa. Yeah. So I wrote him. <laughs> I wrote him. And I told him. Yeah, you may not remember me, but I'm like the guy who dropped out, you know. And then I went to Shreveport for 10 years, and then I came to this church in Madison, Wisconsin. And it was, and then, you know, I usually don't talk about the growth of Blackhawk, but because the situation, I, I just let him know that we had like three sites and all these different services and all these people. Well, I sent the letter. And like immediately, I heard back from him. He emailed me. And he said, oh, Chris, <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember you, <laughs> but this letter is so encouraging to me. Thanks so much for sending it. I didn't think a thing of it. A couple years went by. Then I got an email from someone named Honer, but I didn't recognize the first name. I opened it up, and it was from Dr. Honer's oldest son, 
He said, Chris, I want to tell you that my father has passed away. But that letter that you sent him encouraged him so much. Every year when they'd start a new doctoral program, he would go in and try to encourage the new doctoral students, and he would tell them that your marriage is more important than the seminary. And he would pull out that letter, and he would tell people that story. I became like the famous dropout of the Ph.D. program at Dallas Seminary. And he would tell the story. Your note to him encouraged him so much. He told that story over and over again. When I read that email from Dr. Honer's son, my heart just went like, huh, just went like this. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it's because one of you said to me, have you ever told him that story? Never estimate the power of words, you guys. Words are very powerful. The title of this message is, is this, Encourage Our People. Who are your people right now in the COVID bubble? Here they are, your family, friends that you know, teachers of your children that they're teaching, but, you know, it's not in person, people who don't feel seen. What I mean by that is it's the uh, Amazon driver who drops the box off uh, at your front step and rings the doorbell, or a FedEx person, you know what I'm talking about? Or the person, uh, your go-to store on a regular basis, and maybe it's the person who's checking uh, you out in the line. Or it's the mail carrier. It's the people who don't feel seen. It's the people who work at McDonald's and the pushing things through the drive-in window. People who don't feel seen. They're in your window right now. You don't have to get out of your COVID box. You stay in it. How can you encourage those people? Just the other day, my wife and I were at Target, and we were standing our six feet back, and this person in front of us just berated, berated the person who was working at Target, who was trying to check them out. Just let them have it. Just, just dumped on them. And we just watched that. And you could just see that person just like go down like this. And it was our turn. My wife just looked at that person and said, that was hard. You handled that really well. Good job. And you could see that person just like flower again. Like, like, they were like grunts like this in front of our eyes. Like they had drunk from a, a spring of life. They just became alive again. Words are so powerful. And it was not hard for her to say, hey, that was hard. You handled that well. Good job. It's not difficult, you guys. Words are powerful. Listen, you guys. We are all living in this pandemic mess. We're all living through times that are very shaky economically. We're all living through this political turmoil. The world is very difficult right now. It's extremely hard. And one of the hard things about it is that we feel powerless, like we can't do anything. That's from the devil. It's from the devil. <laughs> you can. You can do something. And you can do something very powerful. You can give someone a good word. Look at the people who sent you Christmas cards. Look through that list. Any of those people need a good word right now? Look at the people in your family. Does someone need a kind word? 
Look at the people that are in your bubble, you guys. Who needs a kind word? Look at the people in your life who feel unseen, like nobody cares about them at all. <laughs> Give those people a kind word. And, and when you do that, uh, you'll expect all, all kinds of reactions. I do this at McDonald's, you know, where they pass through, you know, the... Uh, Iced tea and, you know, thing like that. I usually say something kind to the person. And they always say this. What? <laughs> it just shocks them. It's like somebody recognized I'm a human being. Oh, my gosh. You guys, we are not powerless. We have power. And by the strength that the Holy Spirit can provide for you so that you look at the person who needs to be encouraged, you give them a powerful word because words are powerful the right word spoken at the right time in the right way can cause a breakthrough for someone in their life and can be a breakthrough in our lives too there's a proverb about the power of words what is that proverb i can't remember what that what is that what is that proverb oh yeah proverbs 12:25 how does that go here it is one more time Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Take it down. Everybody say it with me together. Here we go. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to realize we are not powerless. We have, we have power. With tongue in cheek, we are locked and loaded. With tongue in cheek, we can bring healing and life to someone. Help us not to be foolish and just, just say what's ever in our mind and just hurt people around us. But we pray, Father, you'd help us to use that uh, draft box in our email. You help us, Father, to pray through, think about we're going to say and we pray father you'd help us to look for opportunities where someone needs to hear a positive word a kind word we thank you father for being kind and gracious to us when we didn't deserve it by your grace we pray father you would help us to be people of grace in a hurting world today we pray this in Christ's name and for the sake of his reputation, all God's people said, amen.